Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball podcast about anything that we find humorous or entertaining or just uh, downright silly about the game of baseball. We're going to just this one time we're going to kind of stray from tradition here. And I want to bring up a topic right off the bat, as everybody I'm sure is aware, Gare Helgamo, 49, a Norwegian who plays uh, competitive bridge for Monaco, was suspended by a panel of the World Bridge Federation after testing positive for PEDs uh, last week. So this just this asks the I just have to ask the question, Mark, did you know there was professional bridge leagues? I did not know, and I did not know that they had uh, performance-enhancing drug rules, and uh, I'm very upset about it. I think they've got to get the drugs out of bridge. <laughs> so there, that is my co-host, Mark A. Johnson, with a very salient point about uh, competitive bridge and PEDs. I am Jeff Paulson. This is Two Strike Noise. We are going to push the bridge talk aside. And Mark, what do you say we talk some more about baseball this week? All right. Let's, uh, you know, I'm glad it's not getting old, but, uh, you know, we always got some, something new and exciting to talk about. It's actually something old and exciting generally, but you know what I'm saying. It is. And if you listen to our show last week, you know, we had a little bit different format last week. Uh, we are going to give you an I hope you liked it because, frankly, we're doing it again because <laughs> I just got back from Japan and uh, have not had time to really sit down and prepare like we usually do for this show. So we're going to put together another episode here. We like to call Tales from the Dugout, where they're just kind of shorter. We're going to st- veer away from the long form that we usually do on these shows and we're just going to uh, do some some shorter stories and mark I, I wanted to start out with one that i i found this was really interesting uh you know the name abner doubleday absolutely so to the maybe the casual baseball fan or the non-baseball fan you might know this name as well a lot of people tend to think he was the one he's the one that's often credited for creating the game of baseball um it should be noted that abner doubleday never claimed at any point to have invented baseball never said he did it uh and it is now uh, it's pretty much fact now that abner doubleday did not actually uh create you know the game that we think of today as baseball but I did not know some other things about Abner Doubleday. He is a very interesting fellow. He actually fired the first return shot at the Confederacy from Fort Sumner. Wow. So essentially, he fired the first shot for the Union in the Civil War. Wow. Did not, I had I, no idea. Doubleday actually also led a division in the Battle of Gettysburg, and he also rode on the train with his buddy Abraham Lincoln when Lincoln was going to give the Gettysburg Address. Wow. Uh, the, uh, another thing I found out about uh, Mr. Doubleday, uh, post-war, once he retired from the Army, he filed for a patent on a cable car design when he was living in my neck of the woods here in San Francisco. That cable car patent is still in use today in the city. Wow. So this guy is... is He's a really interesting guy. He just didn't invent the game of baseball like like everybody right. thinks he did. Yeah, I grew up I grew up being told that the creator of baseball was none other than 
Civil War hero Abner Doubleday. Yeah. So what? And you know what that was based on is I I forget his name, his first name, Spalding. He's the guy at the sporting goods magnet who was also a professional baseball player. He was a team owner. Um, he did a lot of things uh, in the 1800s to do with baseball. And one of those, which I know there's a very famous picture of baseball players climbing on the great pyramids in Egypt because they toured around the world and they were just, of course, at that point, you could do whatever you wanted. And, and these landmarks, they're just climbing on the Sphinx and, and the pyramids. Um, but uh, Spalding put together a commission to try and find out where baseball, who invented baseball, because they desperately wanted it to be an American invention. And a 71-year-old mining engineer from Denver wrote a letter claiming that Abner Doubleday updated the game of rounders into a game called town ball, and thus baseball was born and everybody believed it. Clearly, Abner Doubleday did not invent the game of baseball, and it is now generally regarded as being, as I said, just an updated version of the English game of rounders, which was, a, this was originally asserted by Henry Chadwick, but nobody wanted to believe him at that point. And he sounds, that's a very British name, so I'm assuming they just, again, wanted to be American. But I didn't know uh, the other stuff about Abner Doubleday. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. I know he was I knew he was a Civil War hero, and I believe, and this may be fact or fiction, but when they wanted to promote baseball as this great American sport, it just sounded good to have Abner Doubleday being the guy that invented because he was an American hero and so on. Oh, that makes sense too, and and of course they've got Doubleday Field there in Cooperstown. Yes, they do. Which is named? <laughs> I guess they're probably not. The naming rights probably aren't up for that for a while. So who who is said to have truly invented baseball? I don't. It, unless there is a British historian out there that there's an answer for somebody that invented rounders. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know if you can actually pinpoint one person. It's not like basketball where James Naismith, yes. you know, was the guy that that nailed those peach baskets up on each end of a yes. court. The, I'm curious because I've heard that the first person to actually set like 90 foot bases, 60 foot, six inch, you know, and and kind of describe the modern game of baseball as opposed to the old rounders style i've always heard that was alexander cartwright i've heard that name as well but i'm not positive i mean obviously whoever invented rounders is the father of baseball or whatever um but i've always heard of alexander cartwright as being the guy that did like 90 foot bases type thing hmm well just doing a, a quick a little bit of research here on the computer. The game of rounders has been played in England since Tudor times, with the earliest reference being in 1744. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, rounders is the name used by Jane Austen in her book, Northanger Abbey. Huh. Obviously, you would never be able to pinpoint who created uh, rounders if it's being referenced back sure. in 1744. Sure. We can uh, we can make something up like they did about Abner Doubleday or you know whatever. Was, I think uh, in in twenty forty four MLB should put a three hundred year patch on on players. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit about Alexander Cartwright. He's actually in the Hall of Fame, and it says 
in, in quotes under his name, father of modern baseball. Yeah. Well, so, that's good. I, they're, they're at least acknowledging it. That's good. Yeah. He, he's the guy that did 90 foot bases, nine innings in a game and uh, nine players on, on the field at the same time. And he organized the Knickerbockers, which was uh, one of the first baseball clubs. Ah, yeah. They they played in like Central Park, didn't they? they... I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm fairly. Oh, they played. No, they played in Elijah Fields. Duh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in New York City. Yeah. Nice. So there's a little bit about the history of baseball. We like to talk about that. I well, think. We talk let's about do, that let's do a, a podcast on instead of competitive bridge. Let's let's continue to do baseball histor historical podcast. All right, you talked me into it. So, can I throw a few a few funny quotes at you? Do it. Okay, we've got. There, baseball is full of characters, you know, like Yogi Berra and and crazy people like me and Jeff. And, and there's just there's just a lot of goofiness in baseball. So I was going to share a few quotes that I found <laughs> that I thought were amusing. Um, after uh, being left off the All Star team by Daryl Johnson, Jim Palmer claimed he was misquoted for calling Daryl Johnson an idiot. And the quote from Palmer is, "I did not call Johnson an idiot." Someone else did, and I just agreed. <laughs> All right, let, let's have a quote off, because I've got some, some quotes here that right, I had ready right. to go, too. All right, this one is from Yankee outfielder, someone that was traded for Ricky Henderson, Luis Polonia. Oh, yeah. Former athletic, yeah. The Yankees are only interested in one thing, and I have no idea what that is. <laughs> uh, I have a little history with Luis Polonia, but I can't tell you any of the stories. Well, it's probably because it's probably all sealed in court documents. That's probably why I can't talk yep. about it, yeah. Okay, I like that one. Vic Davilio and Manny Moda were pinch hitters for the Dodgers in the 60s. They were always, you know, if they bring someone out to, to hit for the pitcher, it was always these two guys. They were both pretty old. They couldn't play the field, but they could still hit. So uh, someone asked Tommy Lasorda, about his two pinch hitters that seemed to be a little old. And he said, I don't know, but somebody told me they were waiters at the Last Supper. <laughs> Tommy Lasorda said that? Yes. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's one. Now, I did not know this was a, a quote. Um, this is a quote from Mickey Rivers. But I, I didn't know this was from him because uh, I actually used this a little while ago about somebody in politics you can your mind can wander once you hear this uh, on hearing that reggie jackson uh, was reported to have an iq of 165 yankee teammate mickey rivers said out of what a thousand <laughs> so when you're talking about a stable genius that's the that's the kind of response you can come up with. that's good stuff uh one of my favorites of all time phil Rizzuto. <laughs> this is classic he said i'll never forget september 6 1950 I got a letter threatening me, Hank Bauer, Yogi Berra, and Johnny Mize, all of us. It said if I showed up in uniform against the Red Sox, I'd be shot. I turned the letter over to the FBI and told my manager, Casey Stengel, about it. You know what Casey did? He gave me a different uniform and gave mine to Billy Martin. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Guess Casey thought it would be better if Billy got shot. <laughs> oh, all right. So I've got a Sparky Anderson quote. Now, this is funny because in a previous episode, we were talking about Major League and a 
quote that was in the trailer but didn't actually make the final cut of the film. Well, here I've got Sparky Anderson on Willie Stargell. He's got power enough to hit a home run in any park, including Yellowstone. <laughs> That's good. Pittsburgh had an infielder named Gene. It's either Freeze or Freeze. He was. Uh, he remembered a day when Dick Stewart, also known as Mister Strange Glove, had a, a rough day. <laughs> Stewart uh, had missed the first three grounders that came his way, but uh, perfectly got the fourth one. He, it took him four tries. However, in his haste to wave off the pitcher, he slung the ball down the right field line. Uh, we'd, we'd have had the guy at third, Freeze said, but I was laughing too hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, his, his, his nickname was just Mr. Strangelove. They couldn't call him Dr. Strangelove? No, it was Dr. Strangelove. Did I say Mr.? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, no, Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> and he proved it. Boy, wow. All right, so this is this is my last one in in this day and age where there's a lot of talk about pitch clocks. This is a quote from Albert Spaulding. There, Albert. That was the name I was trying to remember early. Uh, professional baseball player, manager, and co-founder of Spaulding Sporting Goods. Two hours is about as long as any American can wait for the close of a baseball game, or anything else for that matter. <laughs> or anything else. Yeah. Two hours. Now, I, I think you and I have had this discussion. I, I remember I worked a game in Atlanta. It was uh, Greg Maddox versus Kurt Schilling, and it was an hour and 47 minutes. Oh, my. Yes. And that was th- that impressive. was my favorite game ever. Have you, what's, your, what is your, what's your record for shortest game you've been at? Does the minor leagues count? Absolutely. As okay. long as it's nine innings. Triple A, nine-inning game, 140. It was Bob <laughs> Malacky. Bob Malacky was dealing like nobody's business. And it just he was completely unhittable. I think he gave up one hit. It was a one hitter and we got out in an hour 40. It was amazing. <laughs> you know what's great minor league games especially on getaway day because you know they're not flying they, they don't have charters. Yeah. They've got to go catch a flight. So they are up there hacking at anything. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a plane to catch, literally. And what do you know? It was on a day game and a getaway day. What do you oh, know? Oh, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, though, because I got the whole afternoon and evening free on a Sunday. It was fun. Yeah, that's nice. So uh, I've, got a, I've got a record for you that was, was kind of unique. Brooklyn pitcher Burley Grimes, which is just a great name. Yeah. In one game... Burley accounted with the bat. He accounted for seven outs in just three plate appearances. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, so he's a pitcher, so you got to give him a little bit of break. But he was actually a pretty good hitter, though. He has a lifetime 248 batting average, which typically for me, if I look at a pitcher's batting average, I typically will just put 100 points on it. And that kind of tells me what he would be like as a normal hitter. So that's a that's good, but uh, this was a three to two, twelve inning loss to the Cubs. Grimes hit into two double plays in his first two at bats, and he followed up in his third and final at bat by hitting into a six four three two triple play. <laughs> so Joe Torre he once went zero for four with four double plays, so that would be eight outs. But on the pure you know kind of outs per at bat efficiency. Good old uh, 
Burley Grimes is your leader in the clubhouse with seven outs in three at bats. Well, I want to I want to say something about you've heard of Don Newcomb. Uh, I have 1950s yep. for the Dodgers. He was a, a pitcher, and this I just came across this on accident. And just what an incredible season he had in 1955. He was 20 and five, and he led the league in walks and hits to innings pitched and strikeout to walk ratio, which is great. But mm-hmm. he also hit 359 with seven home runs wow. in 125 plate appearances. So talk about <laughs> helping yourself out. Those are Mike Mike Hampton like offensive numbers, they but are. Mike Hampton never never matched that on the mound. No, that, that's true. That's true. But that, I just was so impressed. I went, man, you know that you consider that ninth spot in the National League uh, just an out. Well, not with Don Newcomb, obviously. <laughs> that that might be he he you know he'd be one of those candidates to for a pitcher to bat eighth or seventh. That's right. Yep, it could happen. I got something for you. Uh, I wanted to ask you. You, uh, we, we covered last episode what we actually do when we're not, you know, being goofy on the internet uh, and, and working a, a lot in baseball. What is the what's the strangest thing you've ever seen happen live at a baseball game? <laughs> okay, this is good. This is a good question. Uh, uh, it was in the. I was still a fan, and I was a kid. So I hadn't started working as a bat boy quite yet. My dad took me to a million baseball games. That's pretty much what we did every night if Tacoma was in town. And we were sitting there one night in our usual seats uh, right behind third base. And we heard this boom, big, loud sound. And we looked out in left field, and a car had crashed through the left field fence. (laughs) It, It got about halfway through before the momentum stopped. And we all just went, did the car just come through the left field fence? The, the players all... Did you come near a player or anybody? No, it scared the heck out of everyone, though. Uh, it didn't come near a player. The outfielders ran out and just, you know how you push a car when it's not running? They just pushed it right back out. Oh, I thought you were going to say they ran out there and beat the, the driver. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been more entertaining. But no, they ran out and they just all grabbed it and pushed it back out. They pushed it back out and the ground screw came out and patched up the hole and we went on and played again. So that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. What did they patch the the hole up with? They just had some kind of... uh, Duct tape? No, they had some kind of lumber or something. Duct tape would have (laughs) worked. What about you? I'm imagining, you know, in hockey, if the glass breaks... The ice crew comes out. They've got these big suction cups that they immediately stick on there. They slide it off. They've got. They've always got others ready to go. They put it on there. It's like a five-minute deal. But an outfield wall, <laughs> you're not prepared for it, one. It was. And <laughs> you don't have just a replacement wall ready to go. No, they had they had some kind of like particle board or something. It was not going to keep the ball. If the ball hit it, it was going to destroy it. It was going to be a Rodney McRae incident if it an was. outfielder ran into the wall. Right. <laughs> this was the opposite of the Rod McRae. Came from outside to inside, and the guy didn't want to get hurt, so he drove his car, apparently. <sighs> and that was in Tacoma, right? In Tacoma, Cheney Stadium, back in the 19... Okay. <laughs> So I don't have anything quite that, you know, I, I really racked my brain with all the baseball that I've been to and, and watched. Uh, 
I mean, I, I've I've watched. I, I remember watching that Braves game. I was in college, I think, or maybe I had just graduated college when that Braves game on TBS they're playing and the sprinklers came on all of a sudden. Oh, I remember yeah. that yeah. vividly because I was playing Stratomatic and kind of had the, the game on in the background when that happened. Nice. Uh, but I think for me, kind of the, the funniest thing, it wasn't funny at the time, but uh, I was working at the Braves. I was you know sitting right there in that camera wall behind home plate and... You know, it's the South in the summer, so every evening there is thunder and lightning and maybe a little bit of rain. And I remember Chipper Jones was up, and there was, out of nowhere, lightning. And it was close, because as soon as that flash, there was a really loud crack. And Chipper Jones jumped straight up. He was he was walking to the batter's box. He jumped straight up like like he was jumping over something. He kind of jumped up and brought his knees to his chest. <laughs> and he jumped up so high, dropped his bat, landed and just ran into the dugout. Really? <laughs> it was it was like out of a cartoon. But I, I remember that year we lost power twice in the stadium because of lightning. Where we just, oh, that was just not fun. Just sitting there in the dark in a stadium. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. But yeah, I, have, I haven't had, I, I, mean, I remember that game uh, in Seattle. I don't remember if you were working that game where we had a streaker. We had, oh, yeah. Uh, it was like a rash of streakers, which just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. But. I've been there for three or four people that ran onto the field, but only two streakers. And they were both guys. What a ripoff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and and neither of them had been working out a lot, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Not appetizing. So, okay, so that, that brings me to another question. So we talk about people running on the field. So I, I was trying to come up with things that we're never going to see again in baseball that we have seen in the past. Okay. So I'm talking about Morgana, oh, the kissing yeah. bandit. Oh, man, Morgana, legend. I don't. Did she? Did she branch out out of baseball? I don't. I don't know. Did I mean yeah. football? I don't think she would do. But and, and bas obviously not hockey. Basketball's kind of hard. I mean, and for those of you that maybe don't know, Morgana was a rather buxom woman in the in the '80s. Uh, you know, blonde, curly, big curly hair. She'd run out there in her hot pants, and her T-shirt always said something different and she would run out and she would pick a player out and just run out in the field in the middle of a game and go plant a big kiss on them yes <laughs> it was, was it was apparently acceptable at that point it was acceptable at that point and, and you just you, you just went wow there she is again ha 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 you know and one thing that i have to use to describe her even though this is a family show yes she had big hair and the lipstick uh, but she was also well known for being buxom. Is that yep, yeah, I, I said that. Like, I don't, I don't think she wore support most of the time either when no, she was running out there. No, it was like two fat little boys wrestling under a blanket or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was terrifying. Oh boy! I remember yeah. she got Nolan Ryan real good though, but he had heard a rumor that she was going to be there. So when he heard the fans cheering. He uh, didn't. He turned his back and he dropped to one knee, and she came and she <laughs> sat on his knee and gave him a kiss. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So I came up with Morgana player managers. Yeah, I don't. 
Will we ever see a? Was Pete Rose the last player manager? I think so. Yeah, I, I know. I have a, a like an eighty four and eighty five baseball card of Pete Rose player manager or something. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure that you're going to see those again. Um, uh, I saw a lot of pictures of Connie Mack used to take a lot of pictures of him shaking hands of the other manager, with the other manager, of course, always being in uniform. Um, I think that's something we won't see again. Yeah, Connie Mack was, I believe, the the last manager to not wear a uniform. He always wore a suit and tie. It's he was the weird. only manager, wasn't he? I, I don't know that I've know. ever heard of any other. Well, I, I remember, and this is if you've seen the movie 42, yeah. uh, the Dodgers manager for one season wore like a jacket, like a team jacket and pants. No, not a hmm. baseball uniform, though. But I don't know how many people did it before. But you never see it anymore. Baseball is kind of odd in that we dress all the coaches and everybody who isn't going to get to play. We dress them all up in our uniforms. Yeah, soccer is kind of like that because coaches usually wear warm-ups that are the same as the players. Gotcha. Not usually, but some of them do. Can you imagine doing that in football? You know, the guy standing <laughs> out there with shoulder pads on? Well, that's what I was just going to say. Uh, you know, football coaches used to dress up. Tom Landry was a mm. sharp dresser. Oh, yeah. Uh, recently, Jack Del Rio used to still, you know, he would dress up on game day and wear a suit and tie. But it's not, now it's, yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick looks like a homeless dude out there on the sidelines. <laughs> like they just, he wandered off the streets and just happened to end up with a headset. It, it, People don't dress. I mean, even the NBA's gotten a lot more casual. They used to, by rule, I remember, they had to have a suit and tie on. Yes. But now you've got coaches, you know, just wearing a sport coat and stuff. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's another thing that makes the game unique, though. This is true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just different than other sports. Yeah, I, and it, I remember when I was working with the for the Braves, Jack McKeon who is still working in baseball, but Jack McKeon was in his 70s and he was managing the Marlins again. And I, I every time he came out on the field, I felt like I was transported back to the 1920s because that he wore a uniform exactly like they did in the 20s. Big baggy, yeah. you know, st- you know, pants uh, down to his knees, but, you know, socks pulled up. And yeah, I, I appreciated that. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Hey, I uh, I read a little deal on uh, a guy by the name of Old Haas Radborn. Yep, I know Old Haas. Good Old Haas. And I came across, uh, he, in one year, he threw 678 and two-thirds innings, winning 59 <laughs> games on the season. <laughs> Another innings eater. Yeah, that, that record will never be touched. <laughs> 59 wins in a season i mean what was the last 31 danny mcclain had in 68 well I, the last 20 the last 30 game winner was mike moore wasn't That's right. it or no or was no bob welch yeah Wh- welch which, did he win 30 or was it it, might uh, it was one of those it was, it was on the a's i remember i think he but he won 29 yes that's right yeah so yeah i you can't you're not even getting near third now if you if you flirt with 20 you're automatically in the Cy Young discussion <laughs> that's the truth and the days of of old Haas you know he almost threw 700 innings give me a break well I, I got another pitcher with a with a nice nickname yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, this pitcher goes by the nickname of the Georgia Peach but and that's not a that's not a pitcher, Jeff. What are you talking about? 
Yeah, I am talking about Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb pitched three games in his career over two seasons. Wow. He pitched uh, in, in 1918, he pitched in two games, uh, four innings complete. Uh, not complete, but four innings total. Gave up six hits, two runs, both of which were earned, and walked two. And then in 1925, he was dealing for an inning. He got a save in his one game. He uh, <laughs> retired the side. It didn't strike anybody out, but he set him down one, two, three. Wow. So I had no idea Ty Cobb had ever you know done anything other than hit but I, i've never heard that before ty cobb pitched what do you say three games three games yeah nice he finished with his career mark was a 3.60 era and he had a save <laughs> well that's a pretty <laughs> successful short career in pitching i heard he could hit though yeah <laughs> his he, uh, over his career, his total war average was 151.1. That means back in, back in that, how many games did they play in his in his you know in, in the in the 19 teens and 20s? Was it 144 or? Um, you know, I'm not sure because they changed it a lot back then. Yeah, it was well, over his career, he was worth. 151 wins over replacement. That is an entire season. Wow. <laughs> that is him replacing an average player wherever he would play. His team basically would have gone undefeated. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Tyrus Raymond Cobb. My dad used to talk about him all the time. Because my dad's middle, my dad's name is Raymond, and it was Ty Cobb's middle name. And so I yeah. used to hear about stories about Ty Cobb. I did not know that he was a racist jackass until later in life. Now, okay, now that's something I wanted to talk about, and, and maybe this is maybe this is better in a, in a longer form. I have been listening to and doing some reading on you know other baseball historical things because that's mm -hmm. what we do here, and. What I have been finding out a lot about is that there is a, biog a, a biography written about Ty Cobb. And I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. But more importantly, the Ken Burns documentary, Baseball. Yes. Where he really tore Ty Cobb, you know, really yeah. tore his character up. Yeah. And from what I have been reading, a lot of this is a, kind of a smear campaign on Ty Cobb no and his legacy. That he was not the, the nicest person. Yes, he definitely sharpened his bikes. He loved to go in there, but I mean, it wasn't he wasn't doing it to injure people. He did it because he wanted to threaten injury so that people would, you know, it would be harder to to get him out. Right. But I I wanted I I definitely want to do a little bit deeper dive into Ty Cobb and find out you know if this is true if he really wasn't that bad of a person as. as you know, I, I agree with you. I, I I always thought of him as being kind of a jerk because of the things that I had heard about him, and especially that that Ken Burns documentary. Yeah, I uh, did. You see the movie Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones? I didn't. Okay, that gives you a pretty good idea of what kind of guy. If it's accurate, like you're saying now, that maybe smear campaigns, and maybe it's not all that accurate. I don't know. Having seen Moneyball, I can attest that most baseball movies that are supposedly based on 
real life events are probably about half made up for drama. <laughs> I, I imagine that's probably true, but let's not pick on Moneyball. In a previous episode, I stated that was my favorite movie of all time. No, and, and, and you know, I do. I, I, I enjoy it for what it is. Um, you know, obviously being an A's fan and, you know, knowing that Art Howe is one of the nicest guys in baseball. Sure. <laughs> that uh, a lot of things in that movie were done for effect. And I understand that. So Sure. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I, the, the other thing, uh, just to g- go back one more topic, uh, things that you won't see again. Yeah. The San Diego chicken. Oh, my gosh. Ted Giannolis. Yeah. Ted yeah. Giannolis. The San Diego chicken. First of all, he was never affiliated with the Padres. Not at all. He, he debuted with the Padres. He came out of that big egg yes. at a Padres game. But And I don't even think he's officially referred to as the San Diego chicken. I think he's just referred to as the chicken. Yes, he's just the chicken uh, now. I, is, he, he's, is, he, is Ted still alive? I don't even know. Yeah, uh, Ted Ginolas is, I believe, still alive. Uh, I haven't seen it. The last reported sighting of Ted Ginolas was in, <laughs> in 2013. Uh, is what? It, no, maybe that's not right. Anyway, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about him lately. All right. So I've just done a Google search for, is the San Diego chicken alive? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Here, as of August 2016, after 42 years of playing the chicken, he was still making appearances across the U.S. at a slower pace, performing at 11 ballparks in July and August of that year. He expressed uncertainty about how much longer he could continue or whether or not he would appoint a successor, I think we should get in contact with him. Ooh, I wonder if I wonder if I could like just get a rehearsal or an opportunity. You know, I think we're in a we're we're in prime fighting shape, so I think oh man, we'd okay. be good with that. But um, you know, I actually happened. I, I told you an episode or two ago. I I go down these YouTube kind of black holes when I'm watching things, you know, especially when I was doing Harry Carey research. Yeah. A lot of videos, a lot of (laughs) YouTube uh, recommendations that I would just kind of follow. So uh, there's a lot of episodes of the Baseball Bunch on YouTube. I love the Baseball Bunch. I love the Baseball Bunch. It was the Baseball Bunch and This Week in Baseball. I, I'd get up early on Saturday, I'd watch cartoons, and then it was the Baseball Bunch, and then This Week in Baseball. And, you know, between Johnny Bench and then Mel Allen, that was just, for me, that was must-see TV. I loved it. Yeah. But uh, So I watched a couple episodes, and I forgot that the chicken is on every one of those shows. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember now. So I was watching one of the episodes, and Gary Carter was on it, the kid. Yes. And uh, he was talking about positioning for fielders. It was actually it was Gary Carter and Greg Nettles. That's right. And they were talking about, you know, the catcher kind of being the, the captain out there and positioning people. And Craig Nettles was talking about where he would play, you know, on the line, off the line, up, you know, uh, uh, you know, on the grass. And so they had the, the baseball bunch running these drills and they're like, chicken, you know, <laughs> throw us some balls. Yeah. And so they've got the chicken out there. He is you know, in full costume. He can barely see. 
the chicken is catching line drives. He is turning double plays. He is, you know, throwing a ball up and swinging a bat and hitting it to, you know, hit grounders to people. Like he was very athletic for no, barely being able to see. I would, I, I, I'm not convinced that they didn't have somebody else in that in that costume. Uh, but it was impressive what he was doing with that whole get up on. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I've in my acting history i've had to wear big giant suits such as that and you can't see anything i i was one of the pj masks guys really recently and if you don't know what that is don't worry about it you don't need to and uh, <laughs> i couldn't see a thing i was looking out the mouth of this giant mascot dude and i i couldn't play catch with that i'd get hit right in the face <laughs> fortunately there's a lot of padding there but yeah <laughs> My God, it's that's I was I was most impressed with that than anything else on the on the show, except for just reminiscing and you know, kind of nostalgia yeah. of seeing, you know, Johnny Bench that the the episodes I was watching, uh, he made mention that he was no longer going to be catching and he was moving to third base. So that kind of tells you where he was in his career. But, oh wow, yeah. Uh, you know, he's still he, he's the exact Johnny Bench I remember. Yeah. Um, so that was fun to, to watch some of those baseball. Maybe I'll link some of those uh, on our on our Twitter account if you're interested in watching those because those are just those are fun just to watch uh, the players that they would get on. And Gary Carter was having a blast. Like he was totally into it. Greg Nettles was being kind of serious, but you know they're talking to kids and Carter is just laughing and smiling. He is running around throwing balls over people's heads and then running after them. I mean, he was just in full catcher's gear and it was just it was fun to watch. You could tell he was having a good time. That's very cool actually. That that's fun. I I uh I always kind of thought Gary Carter was uh a bit of a stick in the mud, but apparently not. Oh, he's nicknamed the kid. He was always When I knew him he was older, so I never understood the kid thing. I guess you had to know him when he was a rookie. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was that was fun though to to just reminisce and, no and doubt. get to watch hey, the, the baseball. Bunch one other that. thing uh, you might want to we uh, you can go to YouTube and just look up TWIB T W I B this week in baseball and there are dozens of episodes. Absolutely, I I do that. I I actually because I I grab them because I watch them all and if any of them have Ricky Henderson in it, I will procure them in one manner or another uh, because I just have a whole I have a whole drive full of just Ricky Henderson videos and yeah that is a an absolute treasure trove <laughs> and Mel Allen's voice is just I it's it's just like Vin Scully it's baseball and, it's, and the song it, when you heard the song you knew it was going to be a great half hour classic Twib notes. That was yes, because uh, we've talked about it before. I didn't live in a major league town, so I didn't get all the major league news. So Twib notes and this week in baseball was great. I got to see all the other players from around the league that I didn't normally see. Yeah, yeah, great show. It was before cable. It well, definitely for me. Yeah, like for I told, me. I was, I was a I mean. late bloomer. My parents didn't didn't think I needed all those channels until I was a senior in high school. Yeah, I didn't get cable till I was like fourteen. 
That's these are the yeah. sad stories we're going to tell our children. Instead of I walked <laughs> uphill wearing Kleenex boxes for shoes to go to school and I liked every second of it, we're going to be like, I didn't get cable till I was fourteen. Well, I mean, now I watch baseball on demand. I can watch it in my on my phone. Mm-hmm. I can watch it in a you know while I'm on an airplane. If I miss the game, I can just watch it you know later that night. And uh, yeah, back then it's like you know I was so excited when ESPN finally got you know baseball because I got to watch two or three other games a week. I remember being stoked when that happened, just being like, "Yes, we get baseball more often." Yeah, and you know what was weird, though, was my senior year in high school in Salt Lake City, for some odd reason, an independent uh, station, over-the-air station even, somehow became an Oakland A's affiliate, (laughs) and they broadcast my senior year, they broadcast every Oakland A's game on TV. That's crazy. I have no idea why that happened, but... I did not have much of a social life in the summer because I just I watched every single game. Sounds familiar. And people just didn't like me. <laughs> well, you've overcome that. You've got a podcast <laughs> and everything. <laughs> and I've got dogs. Yeah. Who needs people when you got dogs? <laughs> I guess my wife likes me sometimes. Yeah. She doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can say that and won't get a rebuttal. So. Yeah, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast either. And I know I've just upset a lot of girls out there by saying I have a wife. Hey, I'm sorry, folks. I'm taken, you know. Our our whole female demographic, just because the the caricatures of us on the uh, on the cover for our show, too, probably, you know, attracts a lot of females. Oh, yes. Very attractive. So on that note, I think that probably wraps up this uh, another uh, condensed version of Tales from the dugout these are fun shows uh, i i enjoy i enjoy doing the research and and learning about some historical stuff i didn't know about but it's good to do these once in a while and we'll make a habit of this every now and then uh, when i go to japan there you go i also like <laughs> when you do all the research and have the stories and stuff like that because who knows what i'm doing <laughs> Well, uh, let's uh, maybe we go back to that next week. I've got some good topics. We even came up with some good topics here that we can uh, do a little bit deeper dive next week. Uh, we'll try to try to return to the old the old format. I've got a couple of good ones. I'm going to talk about the greatest prospect of all time. We'll leave that. We'll leave it hanging like that. All right. Well, uh, thank you once again for your uh, joining us. I'd like to once again implore you to please go check out our social media. We are at Two Strike Noise, T-W-O Strike Noise on both Instagram and the Twitter. We love to post stuff that we've talked about as well as just you know post random stuff that we find about baseball or, or talk about uh, during the uh, during the week as well. So check that out. Uh, we also will always make sure to let you know when we've got a new show out there as well. So Mark, thank you once again. Uh, I'm going to ask this every time, but you want to do this again next week? Yeah, what the heck? Let's do it again. I, I, I've got some things I wouldn't mind getting off my chest. <laughs> All right. And, you know, maybe we will cover some competitive bridge once again. It's a very interesting topic. Uh, maybe we will revisit it, you know, one one more time competitive bridge and and the drugs that are killing it it is running rampant across bridge tables and Mm -hmm. bridge parlors i don't know what they're called but uh it is ruining the sport well uh thank you for joining us uh for mark a johnson i am jeff paulson 
bidding you adieu. That's French for bye-bye. And we will see you next week on Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.